my friend, you have found the Functioning Hot Mess Podcast. I'm your host, Tanya Murray, life coach and author. I started this show to share life lessons and hot mess moments along with a few shenanigans to let you know you're not alone in this roller coaster of life. Each week, you'll get a solo episode or an interview to help you improve your self-confidence, create healthy relationships, or become a better parent. If you love what you hear, hit subscribe and I'll automatically show up in your downloads each and every week. All right, let's get on with the show. In this episode, we're going to talk about why you should be patient when you're in a new relationship. Now, my listeners who are in long-term relationships and you're like, eh, this doesn't really apply to me. Hang on, do me a favor, listen anyway, because chances are you know someone who could use this information. So I promise to keep this short and sweet for you. So hang in there, see if there's some information that you could pass on to someone who may need this. But for those of you who may be single or just starting out a new relationship, this information is really important and I'm going to do my best to make it kind of sassy and fun. So let's talk about that. Why you should be patient when you're in a new relationship. Now, I know that kind of when you're when you're not in a relationship and you're watching other people, it's a no-brainer, right? I mean, how many times have you seen a friend move in with someone right away and it hasn't turned out well and now they have a mess on their hands? Or someone else who got engaged and then got married really quickly and, you know, down the road things got ugly. So you can see it when it's not you. But a lot of times when it's you, all of a sudden the emotions are there, the needs come up, all that stuff that's in the background happens. And it's still really important to take it slow, to cool your jets a little, and to slow down. So picture this, you're kind of crushing on someone, you've been chatting a little bit, maybe gone on a date or two, and things seem to be going quite well. And you're starting to think about the future and you're planning for the future, or maybe he is or she is. And this whole topic is starting to come up in your mind. You need to slow that down a little bit. Doesn't mean it can't happen. Doesn't mean this isn't the right person. But what I am telling you is there is value in going slow. Number one reason is because you may have some things that still need to heal. Chances are you've been hurt in the past. You've had a terrible toxic relationship in the past that has left some scars. I mean, been there, done that more than once raising my hand over here. I know what that's like. And it's really hard not to go into a new relationship, bringing that baggage with you. In fact, most of us do. And I don't mean to say baggage is in like a bad way, but it kind of is in this particular way. So when you're bringing that emotional baggage forward, what happens is this new person who may truly be the right person for you, every little thing that they do that reminds you of the toxic relationship you had in the past or something that someone else did to you, it triggers that emotion in you and you instantly go on kind of defense mode. Now you're suspicious of their behavior. You're questioning the things that they may have to say. Your insecurities are flaring up and maybe you have some jealousies coming out. There's a lot of things going on in you that they may... accidentally be triggering. They may not 
be trying to create mistrust. They might be doing something that's completely harmless, but the way we're interpreting it is coming from a place of pain because of the pain we've been in before. So it's really important that you go slowly so that you have time to heal that. You have time to slow that down. If you're in a place where you know, you've been single for a while and everyone in your world has been temporary, you're kind of used to that. And a lot of times we get into a place where we're used to controlling the exit plan. We're used to being the one to break up with people, or we are used to being able to say, well, you know, we're going to be together together. We're in it until the fun stops. And, you know, even, even though either of you can break it off when the fun stops, it's kind of like, well, this isn't fun for me anymore, but I'm not ready to let it go. So I'm just going to kind of hang in there because you're kind of controlling the exit. Sometimes you'll find yourself then in this new relationship, bringing that forward with you. So this might be a long-term really good person that might be a long-term person instead of the temporary people that you've been with in the past. And you know it and rationally you want it, but those fears, some of that muscle memory that you've had in the past, you start to find ways in which, oh, he's not going to be fun enough for me. He's not going to be involved with me and my kids. He's not going to be able to help me as a partner. Here's all these different ways in which you're thinking he's not going to be able to measure up. But in reality, you're just kind of creating the situation. You're setting him up to fail in a way. So it's really important that you go slow, especially in between breakups, so that you're able to learn the lessons from your last relationship. Because I promise you, even if it was a good, kind of healthy-ish relationship and the two of you just decided that you weren't meant for each other, there are still amazing and incredible lessons to learn from that. Think about the things that you liked about that person, the things that you didn't like about that person, the things that were deal breakers, how you trust yourself because you had the ability to break it off and you know when you knew you needed to. Because sometimes we think that, like we have that fear, right? That if I'm in a relationship and it's not the right one, I'm not going to be able to end it. So that kind of causes us from getting into a committed relationship because we're afraid that we can't even trust our own judgment. Like, can you hear just even in all of these things, how much of that is personal work that needs to be done? And can you have all of it completely cleared up before you get into a relationship? Probably not. But at least if you go slowly enough that you can address some of those things prior to getting into a relationship, then once you're in there, a lot of those, you know, you've created that self-reflection muscle memory where you can start to look at your behavior, their behavior, and kind of start putting two and two together and see, is this really something that has the potential or like, am I sabotaging it by my fears Is this really something I want to look into or is this person really triggering me because we're not the right fit? You know, sometimes they really are triggering you in similar ways to people who um, you had had in your life in the past and it's a red flag and that's okay to also own that. But the difference is being able to slow down, reflect and notice which is which. Notice if you're just getting triggered versus if they're really showing you some red flags. And sometimes we get a little bit confused. We think that maybe we can't tell. And the one thing I can promise you is that your head will trick you. 
It's your heart you need to listen to. And years ago, that was where I was confused. I did not know if I should be listening to my head or my heart because my head was telling me to stay and trying to help me find a way to stay. But my heart was saying, this isn't good. You need to go. And I didn't know which was right. I didn't know which was true. So follow your heart. I recently heard a saying and I absolutely love it. And it goes, the head has no answers and the heart has no questions. So you follow your heart. There may be some questions that you have to ask around um, technicalities. How do I do this? Where does this go? But just be open to that idea that my heart is telling me this. And the best thing is if you're in a new relationship, you're not in too deep. Now, I want to, okay, let me rephrase that because I don't believe you're ever in too deep. If there's ever a time that you feel like this is no longer healthy for you and that you need to go, then you need to go. I don't care if it's five minutes into a relationship or 50 years into a relationship. Trust your heart, do what you need to do. But just be aware of how we feel stuck when we've been in things longer and it feels more difficult. So that's why I'm specifically talking about this when you're in a new relationship, but know that a lot of this stuff can apply along the way. So not only do you need the time to heal from your past, so you're not carrying it forward, but so do they. So it is your job to clean up your side of the street, but it's also this new person that you're dating. It's also their job to clean up their side of the street. So if they were in a past relationship where they were cheated on, and then they're using that as an excuse as to why they're super jealous and why they're really insecure with you, run for the hills. That's all I have to say about that. Bad news, not going to end well. If it's a new relationship, cut your losses and move on. But if you don't listen to me and you want to stay with that person, you know, you do you. You ultimately know what is best for you. I'm just giving you my opinion from what I have seen and personally experienced as well. But it is their job to overcome that from their past. And if you if they recognize that, like maybe you did, maybe something did come up for them. You didn't trigger them. It wasn't intentional. You weren't out causing a ruckus, but something triggered them that caused that insecurity to come up, that caused this discussion and this jealousy to, ha- to happen. If they're aware now and they're like, I'm sharing this information with you because I just had an aha moment and that's something that I recognize is not cool. That's one thing. But if they're trying to get you to change your behavior and conform so they feel better, so they don't feel insecure, no, that's on them. That is something that they need to do. And that goes for you on the flip side too. If something that they're doing is triggering a jealousy in you or kind of making us go crazy eyes, because we know we sometimes do that, that's also for you to take a step back and say, I need to heal this. I don't want to bring this forward. And then the two of you, if it's a healthier person and it's just like, hey, I'm just going to share this observation with you, then you can kind of come up with talking about some of that. It's not necessarily about, well, here's all the horrible things that happened to me in the past, but it can just be, I've had some things come up in the past and it caused me to feel some discomfort with ABC and I'm going to work on that. 
there can be healthy conversations around that making people aware. But when that becomes a control tactic, ladies, it's like, let the guys go have guys night, let them watch their games, let them do their thing. Let them go ride dirt bikes with their friends or whatever. It's not you allowing it. It's you being comfortable in your own place to let them have fun and be grateful that they get to go hang out with their friends. And then you get to do the same thing on the flip side. It's not necessarily healthy to only be attached to the hip 24 seven. So we're talking about time to heal from the past, both you having the time to heal from your past and this other person you're in a relationship with to have time to heal from their past. So it's okay to find out how long's it been since you were in a relationship. How serious was that relationship? You know, if they just had, were in a relationship for three months and they saw too many red flags and ran for the hills, that's one thing. But if they were in a relationship for 10 years, that might look a little differently. Same with you. So the time to heal is really important. And then there's also a lot to be said for time to reflect on your past time to think and figure out what you really want. Now, this was something that I really struggled with because I didn't know what I wanted because my entire life I had based what I wanted on what other people wanted me to want. Did you get that? I know you felt it because you're like, oh yeah, me too. It sounded kind of crazy when I was thinking it in my head, but you you get that, <laughs> you get that. So it was really difficult because I'd been used to you know, before I made a decision, I was looking for approval. It had gotten really bad actually for me to the point where I remember one time I'm standing in Burger King. I was married at the time and I'm staring at the order menu and he's like, what do you want? And I didn't know what I wanted to get because I didn't know what the right answer was. Yeah. Holy cow. I can't even believe I was there at some point, but we get there, that's not like something comes overnight, but we get really confused on what we want because we're so used to being told. Someone is telling you, this is what you need. This is how you need to act. This is what you need to be happy. This is the type of job you need to have. This is, you know, we're so used to that, that sometimes depending on our nature, and especially if we had a toxic relationship in the past where every decision we made was ridiculed, Every decision we made was, well, that's stupid. It was never right. And so every new decision that you made was like, what do I do? If I, you know, you don't even know what you want. You're just looking for the right answer. So when you're out of that relationship and before you start the new one, you need time to figure out what you want again, to give yourself permission Now, if you're like me and you're sitting there going, how in the heck do I do that? Because that's where I was. You start slow, you start small. So one of the things I did was music was a big thing to me. So all growing up, I loved music. And let me tell you, still to this day, if you want to put me in a good mood where I am like energetic and fun and happy, if my kids are listening to this, if I'm ever angry with you and you know it, you should just turn on poison like my 80s hair band, my favorite band to this day is Poison. So if I walk in the door and you know you're in trouble, put on some Poison and you're going to have a different, happier version of mom. So that's kind of my thing. Music has been my thing. But there was a time where even my music choices were ridiculed and criticized and told that, you know, I was poisoning my children because I'm a rock girl, blah, blah, blah. You get the the whole idea. I had really tried to conform 
and I had stopped listening to the music that I loved because it was bad. It was so just, you know, whatever. It was the devil music. I don't know. I don't remember anybody saying that way, but by the way they acted, you'd think so. So I'd actually gotten rid of all of my favorite music. And I remember my sister came over and I was sitting downstairs with her and I had my, just my two boys at that time. And I wanted to turn on some music and I went over to my really cool, awesome DVD player. It was amazing. And I'm sorting through my CDs and none of my eighties hair music is there. None of it. I had country. I had opera. I had children's music. I had church music. I had nothing, nothing that spoke to me. It was all other people's music. And I kind of fruited out a little bit. And luckily my sister, she's amazing. And she was like, calm down. I got you. So she said she'd start making me some CDs and sending them to me. And then the ones I liked, you know, it was like, I'll just send you an assortment and you can kind of start seeing what you like and rediscovering. And that took me a long time because she would send some here and there when I saw her, I'd get more, but it took me a really long time because I knew what music I liked. My heart knew what music I liked. My body knew because it pumps me up. I feel alive when I listen to certain kinds of music. Music is a big thing to me. And I didn't even know what music I liked. I didn't know what to do. I was completely lost. So that was where I started. And it was kind of like I found it by accident. But then some of the other things that I continued to do, and this is a this is something that I did very slowly. This took years because it was like one opportunity at a time. As I would travel for work, I every time I was in a new city or even an old city that I'd been to a thousand times, I had a rule of firsts. That was my favorite thing was my rule of firsts. So I would tell myself that I had to try a new cuisine, something that I hadn't tried before, or if I was going to a same old, same old restaurant that I went to, I had to try a different dish. And I only had to do it once. If I was there for three days, I only had to try one new meal the whole trip, but that became my rule of firsts. And it wasn't just around food. Sometimes it was around, you know, going to some place like I'd never been to an art museum. So I checked that out. I'd never been to um, some of the like maritime museums with the boats on the water. So I checked those out. Like every time I went somewhere, I intentionally looked for something that I'd never done before, never heard of before, and I would check it out that and then pair all of that because I traveled a lot with people. And then sometimes later I started traveling quite a bit alone. And let me tell you, when you travel alone, you get to know you on such a deeper level because when we travel with everybody, you know, it's where does the group want to go? What do you guys want? Where do you want to eat? Should we go here? Should we go there? What should we do next? When you just go by yourself, it's what do I want to see? Where do I want to go? What would I like to experience? And there's no one to tell you that your answer is wrong. That is an amazing opportunity. That is one way for you to start to learn you, to start to figure that out. Now, if you're already there and you already know yourself, but maybe you're not just not quite sure what you want in a relationship, because maybe you know what you don't want, but you don't really know what you do want. I'm going to give you one more tip. The key to this is unapologetic. 
I want you to sit down. I want you to really just set an intention that you want to create this visualization. You want to know like, what is it that I want to the core? And I don't want to be unapologetic about it. I'm not apologetic because usually what we do is we start to second guess ourselves because, well, I can't want that because it's not what he wants. You know, I would like to have a family someday, but he doesn't want kids. So that's on me. That's my bad. No, that's okay for you to want that. If that's not something he wants, that's okay too. That just might mean that the two of you may not be a good fit. Getting clear on what you want starts with sitting there and just create the most beautiful, like if you had a magic wand and you could create the life that you wanted, what would it look like? And do it in a way where you're not worried about what other people think. You can't get this wrong. You don't have to tell anybody about it. This is just for you. So sit down, do like a couple minutes of a meditation. And then when you come out of that, just start writing, just journal and just free write what it is that you want to see. And then don't attach a person to it. I did this exercise and I called it fuzzy guy because in my mind, I knew what I wanted to see. I knew what I wanted to feel. I knew what I wanted my kids to see and feel. And I didn't know who the person would be. It was, I didn't know who it was going to be. So the person was like in my peripheral and standing there with me and we were all happy and feeling um, included and welcome, but I didn't know who it was. So he was fuzzy. So I call him fuzzy guy. That was my favorite thing ever. But it really allowed me to get crystal clear on what I wanted, which also allowed me to get crystal clear on what I wouldn't accept, what I wasn't willing to settle for. And you really need to give yourself time to figure that out because when you jump into a relationship too quickly, you start immediately with what do they want? My needs need to shift to meet theirs. Sometimes that's That's just how we do things. And we need to kind of take a step back from that so we can ensure that our needs are also being met. All right. The other reason that timing is important is because you need time for true colors to come out. That's a big thing because I read somewhere, I think the average is like 90 days. So people can play really awesome, amazing person for 90 days. And then their true colors start to show. I think some of that I mean, that's an average, obviously, because I can think of other people who were like true colors on day four, and then some that are like true colors two years in. But I think for rule of thumb, getting to know each other and giving at least those three months before you even start to assume that you're seeing their true colors. And in the meantime, in those months, and the more you're seeing them, you're watching for how they behave around their family, how they behave around your family, their friends, your friends, disagreements that the two of you might have. And anytime you feel a red flag, you need to pay attention to that. Anytime that you feel like they're trying to limit your freedom, you need to pay attention to that. Because a lot of times in the beginning, we, we want to brush it off because we, we want this person in our lives. We think they're fun. You know, we're still seeing more of their, their pretend person than the true colors. And so just patience and slowness will give you that opportunity to see how many red flags are building, how many yellow flags there are, how many 
things are going on where you're in your heart, you're like, "Mm, I don't think I'm liking this. You know, you know, you felt that before. And pay close attention to those. Allow the time for those true colors to come out. Don't ignore the red flags that you see in these early months of this relationship. Because those little red flags or little yellow flags, those little warning signs that you're getting in your body that something's not quite right, they're little now, they're going to be huge later. Don't ignore those. Remember that the good ones are going to be patient. The good ones are not going to want to rush you. The ones you need to worry about are the ones who, who are going to push. And in my book, Functioning Hot Mess, I tell a story, I think I called him Psycho Stalker Guy. And no kidding, a couple of dates with this guy, he was trying to talk me into leaving my children and moving to Australia with him, because that sounds like something I'm going to do. And it was more than just, someday, wouldn't it be cool if? No, he was like, here's all the amazing things we could do, and here's what it would look like, and da 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 and I'm just sitting here like, you're new. Anyway... I tell the story in my book, but the very last date that we went on, he was running late. So I went to have a drink with my friend at the bar before he got there. So I was with her and he cu- he pulls into town and calls me and I tell him where I am and he's instantly mad. This is, remember, a couple dates in and I can hear it. And he starts making comments about, well, that's not what I wanted to do. And that's not where I was wanted to go. And I'm like, well, we don't have to go here, but I wasn't going to sit my happy ass at home and wait for you because you're late, like whatever. Anyway, the night was a disaster for him. I was actually, I went through probably anger, frustration, and then it was kind of funny to me towards the end because I watched him throw out just about every trick in the book because he was trying so hard to manipulate me to, I mean, he was trying everything and nothing was working because the minute, well, I'd already decided it wasn't a good idea with the whole out of town, out of, out of country thing. But even, even after that, with the minute he was irritated that I didn't have my little butt at home waiting for him, I was like, and we're done. So the rest of it was just a mess, but I saw his true colors and I saw how far he would push those true colors and all the things he would try to do. Like he gave me a play-by-play of what so many women deal with throughout their whole life. I mean, there was gaslighting, there was narcissism, there was, I mean, everything there was, he was trying to make me jealous. He was trying to get me to commit. He was trying to tell all of my friends that we were getting married and my friends were like, uh, what? This doesn't sound like our friend. I mean, it was, it was kind of comical. What I'm saying with that story is their true colors will come. I had the benefit of seeing all of his in one night, but what usually happens is people like that will drop you little ones here and there. They'll try to make you jealous one time and they want to see how you're going to react. And then maybe they'll try to do something that's controlling, like not wanting you to go with your friends and they'll see how you react, see if you comply. And then if you argue or you don't comply, then they're going to try to turn it on to you. And it's your fault that you're upsetting them and your fault that you're causing the fight. And those are all things that the bad ones really know how to use. They manipulate. They know exactly what they're doing. They know that you care, that you're kind, that you're a good person, that you've got a tender heart, and they're going to exploit that. And those are the ones you need to go really slow. Well, 
you're going to see those red and yellow flags and all those other colors right in the beginning. But be aware and start watching for those little subtle things because your heart will tell you that that's not right long before you're going to do anything about it because you second guess your heart. So do yourself a favor. If it's a new relationship and you're starting to feel those feelings, you're starting to see those things, listen to your heart and don't try to justify their behavior. Don't try to make excuses for it. Don't try to minimize it. Run for the hills and save yourself a lot of time. Now, if you did find a good one and their patient and your patient and the two of you are working together on your timeline, you're not rushing into things, you're allowing each other to overcome, to heal from the past, and you're creating a place where you both can. If you've both been through some hell and you both know that you're good people, that you don't want to go there again, and you allow each other to really kind of enjoy the safety that your relationship creates, that time will help that solidify. It will help you both be able to trust that more. You'll both know that, you know, yeah, we might have our moments where we're irritable or we're angry or whatever, but you have an opportunity to see how each other reacts in those moments and then actually to support each other. I'm a fixer. When I first started dating my boyfriend when he'd be upset about something and I wanted to fix it. And it took me a little bit of time to realize that he's a big boy. He does not need me to fix it. He doesn't want me to fix it. He's just there to share the moment with me and share his frustration with me and just let me be there. And I'm the same with him. And that creates a completely different scenario and so much trust because there's a confidence there that I know he can handle his own stuff and he knows I can handle my own stuff, but the two of us can still have that connection and still be there to support each other and still be so grateful that we had each other during those rough moments and those stressful days and everything that we have come up. And yet we know that we trust each other, not just, it's not just that I trust him to take, you know, to be good to me. But I also know that I trust him to take care of his stuff and I trust him to let me take care of mine. That's a really cool, healthy dynamic that I didn't have ever in my life until I started dating him and I was almost 40. I'm not going to tell you how old I am now. You can figure it out later, but it's been a minute. It can be incredible, but it's time that helps you build that. It's patience and time. All right, my friend, I hope this is helpful for you. And if you do already have a long-term relationship, I hope this sparked an interest in your mind or you had a friend come to mind who could really use this. Please share this with them. I feel like this is valuable. I am just so excited for all of you who have shared things for me. I can honestly tell you probably the biggest compliment I have received on my podcast to date was when a friend of mine told me that they had shared my podcast with their daughter. Thank you so much for doing that. I've actually had a couple friends do that for me too. And thank you because that means a lot to me to know that not only do you trust me to be here and to listen, but you're trusting me with your children. That's a whole different level. So thank you. Thank you so much for trusting me. And yeah, I hope you have a fabulous day and I'll be back in your downloads next week.